When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, Bulls Nation? And welcome <coughs> into the CHGO Bulls Podcast, presented to you by PointsBet. Don't forget that promo code CHGO when you sign up to live your bet life. I'm Matt. That's Big Dave. We're hanging out here at our downtown studios in the West Loop, CHGO. Will has safely made it to Brazil. Happy for him. He's here tuning in. And we are so pleased to welcome in, making a CHGO debut, three-time NBA champion mm. with the Chicago Bulls. 15 years and mm. counting as a Bulls analyst, both in the studio and on your Bulls television broadcast, doing color commentary with the great Neil Funk. Now with our pal Adam Amin, mm-hmm. and recently added to that resume, the host of the Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast. Yes. Bulls Nation, give it up for the one, the only, Stacy King. Hey. What up, Stace? What up, though? How you guys doing? Doing all right, man. Thrilled to have you here. Um, follow Stacy on Twitter, by the way, at Stacy21King, if you aren't already for some reason. Stace, uh, we're so excited to talk to you about all kinds of stuff, but let's start with the Bulls season that we all just watched together and that you called along with Adam. Uh, is there a favorite moment or a favorite game that sticks out to you through this crazy roller coaster of a season that started so hot and then kind of faded down the stretch? Favorite moment or a favorite game? Um, I probably, I probably say, you know, the stretch that DeMar DeRozan went on, man. I mean, any one of those particular games where, uh, he was putting up 35 plus, you know, we haven't seen that type of production since, uh, Michael Jordan. He was the only one that did it in a Bulls uniform. And I thought that was a magical, uh, moment. Uh, so it's really not any in particular game. It's just a stretch of games where I saw an individual do something that, you know, I witnessed in my time playing with the greatest player ever. Probably thought I'd never see it again. Yeah. Stacy, was there anybody that you saw this season that you were just really surprised 
at their kind of rise, you know what I'm saying, for the Bulls this year? Because a couple of them, you know, come to mind, you know, like Io or, you know, DeMar, like you mentioned in the run that he was on. Was there anybody, though, that just caught your eye? You were like, damn. Um, I, I pretty much say it was DeMar. I mean, I knew DeMar was a great player, you know, former, you know, five-time All-Star. Uh, I've always had the utmost respect for him, the way he carries himself, the way he plays the game the right way. Um, you know, and then, you know, seeing him in San Antonio the year before where his role was completely different on a younger team. He was more of a mentor. Uh, he, he, he had a career high in assists. He was doing other things besides scoring. And then when we got him, you know, um, I knew we were getting a very good player, someone to take some pressure off Zach, but uh, the way he played for us last year, uh, I, I wasn't expecting that. I expected a very good player, but not the MVP type of player he uh, ended up being and in, in, uh, for the Bulls. So, Stacey, we, uh, we obviously kind of, I don't think anybody really assumed that DeMar would be as good as he was. You know, there was a lot of, uh, debate about his contract when they first got when he first signed, um, and now we're headed into a summer where Zach Levine is a free agent. Um, there's been a lot of news, whether it's like TMZ or Lavar Ball going to talk to Cap um, on his podcast. What's your take on Zach's free agency? You think he's worth the max? You think he's staying? What's what's sort of your thought there? You know, it's not it's not whether he's worth the max or not. I mean, the kid is a you know a two time All Star Olympian. He's the best player on the Bulls roster. Um, you know, he, he's a dynamic player in this league. I mean, you're not, just, you don't find people that can average 25 or 26 uh, points a game and does the things that he does. I know people are looking at, oh, well, is he, well, this is the same guy that came back from an ACL tear and uh, tore it up. So I'm not worried about a scope. Um, I think people, I think, I, you know, people look at his defense and they say, well, he's not a great defensive player, uh, but he has the ability to be a good defensive player. And if he stays here with the Bulls, that's something you can work on, you know, but you, you know, 27 points ain't walking through that door, you know, if he leaves for free agency. And I know the Bulls know that. I know uh, Arturis and Mark and J.J. Polk and the front office, the Bulls recognize and respect Zach's talent. Uh, They're going to pay him the max. They've already made it very clear to everyone out there that they're going to pay him the max. And, um, you know, this is what free agency is, you know, allows people to go out and get wined and dined like you're in high school. You know, you get college recruiters come in and they get to, you go on your five visits. Uh, you know, players at the pro level don't get that until they get into the free agency. You kind of forget what that felt like, you know, feeling like what, you know, everybody wants you, you know, like you did in high school. So uh, free agency is like that for NBA players. I think at the end of the day, um, you know, Zach has to understand it's like, hey, look, you know what? The Bulls, I'm going to get the max playing with the Bulls. You know, I'll leave $40, $50 million on the table if I was to walk. Uh, But where are you going to walk to? You know, that's the whole thing. You know, the Bulls have – this is your first time in the playoffs in eight years. This is the the first time you've been on a winning team in your career. And you're building something special here. You can see AK and those guys are building something special here. You finally got guys around you that can help elevate your game to another level – and think about this, guys, and I was saying this the other day on my podcast. It's like, you know, where are you going to go that a coach is going to give you the green light? You can shoot 27, 30 times a game. You could come past half court, shoot a step back three and not get taken out the game. Um, not too many places going to allow you to do that. And that's what really when I tell people and they say, you think Zach's going to leave? You ain't going to be doing that with LeBron James and Anthony Davis uh, in L.A. 
and you're going to have to play defense, and there's pressure playing with those guys because, as you know, even though the Lakers are not in the playoffs, they're constantly being talked about. They're being talked about when other teams are playing well and doing good things, and you're still talking about the Lakers. So that just shows you what kind of pressure that must be. LeBron's used to it. You know, Anthony Davis is probably not used to it, but and he probably he probably affected him a little bit. And Zach's is going to feel that same pressure if he was to go to L.A. You're under a microscope, and it'll never be LeBron's fault. You know, look what they did to Westbrook. You know, Westbrook is an MVP, uh, Hall of Fame player. They made him look like a buster out there. It was his fault. He took two bad shots. He can't shoot. They're ready to run him out with pitchforks and everything. So if they're doing that to Westbrook, Imagine what they'll do to anybody else who comes out there who doesn't produce like the like they think they should. Stace, there's been this thing that's been said by a lot of people over the last week or so as we get closer to Zach and everybody else's free agency in the NBA this summer. LeVar was one person to say it, but it's also been coming out from other places that there's there's this feeling that there may be some animosity. Uh, between Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan because, as we just discussed, DeMar DeRozan arrived and in a lot of ways sort of made this his team in that he came up in big moments, he took over a lot of fourth quarters, and with Zach also dealing with his injury, it was certainly DeMar carrying them down the stretch. I don't believe any of that. From what we heard and what we've witnessed, Zach was sick of losing, was finally happy to be playing on a winning team this season, and DeMar was a big reason for that. To me, it seemed like Zach was relieved that DeMar arrived and got him some help. The Bulls could have signed Zach to an extension last offseason and didn't, and instead, it seemed to be with his blessing, went out and spent money on getting him help, and that includes very much DeMar DeRozan. What is your take on these rumors flying around that, that Zach maybe wants out because now it's DeMar who's the guy in Chicago? Well, look, I'm around these guys all the time. They all get along. This is a very close-knit group. They get along. They pull for one another. Um, you know, it's just like anything. You know, they're, you, know I, you guys are very good at what you do, okay? You guys, you're not one of these uh, TMZ-type, um, you know, National Enquirer things that, you know, get clickbait. You know, Zach Levine's not not happy with DeMar DeRozan. Everybody's clicking on and, and, and subscribing to that channel, and they, don't, they have no proof whatsoever that there's a beef going on between the two. Okay, so I'm gonna put that to rest. There's no beef going on between you know Zach and and Demar. Demar has made it very clear this is Zach's team. Okay, and you got to remember, you know Demar Derozan was is one of the elite players in this league before he came to the Bulls. You know, take away that San Antonio year, you know when he was in Toronto, he was one of the best you know two guards in the league. And so that's not going to change. You know, he came in this league as a teenager. You know, this guy's been around a long time. He's put up a lot of numbers. Uh, he, he changed the culture uh, in Toronto with Kyle Lowry. And, you know, they did some special things there. So as far as what other people are saying, it's just so funny reading all the, the, the intel on the Internet. You know, all these people have all this insight, and they, have, they know nothing about Chicago Bulls basketball anyway. You got to be in this city anyway to be reporting about anything that has to do with the Bulls, the White Sox, the Cubs. You have to live here to even to even be qualified to talk. Other than hearsay, oh, I heard from this man sitting next to this man sitting next to this man sitting next to that man. You know, all that stuff is it, trash. It, here's Zach in a nutshell. As I said before, guys, eight years you never won. You never you never had winning season. You got tired of hearing everybody saying. That Zach's not a winning player. Zach puts up empty calories. Now you got Lonzo Ball, you got Caruso, you got Vooch, you got DeMar DeRozan. 
The front office has built him and put players around him to be productive to do the things he can do. And if you remember the year before he came, before DeMar and all these guys came, Zach had to do everything, okay? And, you know, we won 22 games. You know, he was the assist man. He had to score. You know, fourth quarter, he had to hit big shots. He was exhausted by game 45. So now you got a guy on, on, on the other side of him in DeMar DeRozan that can take pressure off him. You got Vooch that can take pressure off him. These are two all-star players. And as you know, in this league, you know, people talk about, well, you got to have three all-stars to win and, you know, or to even compete for a championship. The Bulls have put a team together where you have that now. You know, maybe it's not ideal. You know, maybe you say, oh, I'd like to have, you know, Anthony Davis. Unfortunately, that doesn't work that way. You know, Bulls uh, did a great job of getting Vooch at the trade deadline the year before. And now you bring in, you know, Lonzo Ball. Had Lonzo Ball not got hurt, and I keep telling people this all the time, that really hurt the Bulls in the second half, not having Lonzo Ball. You lose your second leading rebounder at the guard position. You lose your your second. He was leading the team in block shots, I think, before he went out. And you lose the guy who controls the pace and gets everybody involved. And that's where they really missed him because now you got to put an isolation play. Now you got to put DeMar in isolation plays all the time. And the offense didn't really have the flow that it had when Noah was there because you had good ball movement. The ball was popping around on the horn and guys were getting easier shots. Yeah, uh, Stacey, one player that has been polarizing, I think, for the Bulls this year has been Nikola Vucevic. Um, Bulls fans either loving him or they hating him. Matt and I have definitely been on the defensive for Vooch pretty much all Vooch season stands. long. Vooch we just don't understand what people are talking talking about or getting into when they're talking about Vooch, man. It's crazy. You don't find that kind of skill and talent just out there on trees. Like you said, Stacey, 27 points, ain't walking through that door. Well, the dude that gets you 17, 11, and 4 ain't walk through that door either. You know what I'm saying? That's, and that's a bad year, you know what I'm saying, for him, 17 and 11. But no. No. But what what is your uh, take on uh, Vooch and how he played this season? Because I know you were definitely a guy, a proponent of him, you know, playing more inside and not outside and starting from there and working his way towards uh, the outside, you know, to get his shots. But what was your assessment on Vooch this year? I love Vooch. Uh, Vooch is a multifaceted, talented player. He can score inside. He can score outside. He's a very good passer. He, he's a poor man's Jokic, per se. And I'm not saying he's as good as Jokic, but I'm saying he does just kind of the same things Jokic does. Uh, Jokic plays a little bit more inside uh, than Vooch does. But, you know, if you go back to remembering Vooch uh, in Orlando, Vooch was one of the best low post uh, big men in the league. I mean, he dominated. I mean, I remember we played him many times. He dominated us in the post. So I got kind of spoiled with that Vooch. So so when we got him, I was happy that we got him because, you know, it was one of those situations where we got now we got it back to the basket. When shot clock's winding down, we need to get a shot. He can, you know, he can go get us a bucket or double team to find an open shooter. And as you know, the NBA now has converted bigs to shooting, you know, and, and I think Vooch has really worked on his outside game. You know, he's really worked on and being in this new NBA center where you're stretch five. Uh, you know, the day of the post-up centers, other than Embiid, and Jokic are, are like two of the only back-to-basket guys, but they also are to play on the floor. But you watch Embiid, when it's time to get a bucket, he's going inside. He's going to his bread and butter. And as Shaq would say, it's barbecue chicken. As I would say, it's free cheese. Well, Stacey, you, uh, you talked kind of about Vooch and his uh, adjustment to the Bulls from Orlando and how things kind of changed from him. 
I think, you know, it's something that he mentioned in his, his postseason exit interviews. It's something that I think Kobe struggled with a little bit earlier on this year in terms of, you know, going from heavy starters minutes to now being that spark plug off the bench. Just as a player in, in your career, how how important is it to understand and know what your role is going to be on a night to night basis? And how does not knowing that affect your play? Well, it's very important. I mean, especially when your goal is to win a championship. Everybody can't be a scorer. Everybody can't come out and drop 25 a night. Um, that's what that's what separates the championship caliber teams to the teams that get to the first one and lose. You know, because on a championship team, listen, I came from the University of Oklahoma, I averaged almost 30 points a game my senior year. As soon as I soon drafted me, they told me, we didn't draft you to score. And then I asked them, why the hell did you draft me? So, so, so they said we draft you for rebounding and defense, defense and your, and your ability to get out on the pick and rolls and trap the pick and roll your athleticism. And I was kind of disappointed, you know, but I want to win at the end of the day. I want to win championships. You know, I lost a championship in college and I know how that felt. And now I'm getting put on a team with at the, at that time, he was the, you know, the best NBA player. He wasn't considered the greatest yet, Michael Jordan. And Scotty was just, you know, getting going into his role. And then you had a young Horace Grant and then, you know, BJ was there with him. Pax, we had a great mix of young and veteran players. And Phil would tell us like, hey, you know, this is your role. You need to play this role to the best of your ability in order for us to win. And it was swallow at first, man, because I'm used to being a stud. I mean, every level from little league up to, you know, high school to college, I've always been the man and to it's an ego, you know, it crushes your ego a little bit when, when the coach tells you can't do what you've been doing your whole life, but we need you in this role. And if you want to win guys, you are willing to accept that role because if we weren't winning chips and I'd have been on a bad team, let's like the Clippers of the like trade me. I don't want to be in this role on a bad team. I don't mind being as long as we're winning and long as we get in that gold ball, <laughs> and we get parades in Chicago, I play that role to the fullest. And I think with Kobe, you got to figure out what kind of player Kobe is. I already figured it out. Kobe is Kobe's instant offense. He's not a point guard. He's a combo guard, and there's a big difference. He can play point guard and stretch it, but he's much more of a scorer. He's a guy that you want him coming off screen, single, double screens, catch and shoot, uh, a la Ben Gordon. He's a bigger bigger Ben Gordon. He does a lot of things different than Ben Gordon because I think he has the ability to be a very good two-way player because he gives you effort defensively. So I think he has the ability where Ben, you know, Ben Ben was a very good scorer and, you know, not a very good defensive player. But Kobe has the ability with his size to be able to be a very good two-way player, give you instant offense, you know, coming off the bench. And kind of like, you know, when you look at Jamal Crawford and, and guys that have played that six-man role, you know, they were all starters, and then they had to, you know, they, they converted to sit, and they, those guys are probably going to be gamers being six men. So nothing wrong with being a six man, because I always tell people, people always say, you know, everybody want to be Batman. A uh, few people want to be Robin, but they will take that role. But nobody want to be Alfred, the third guy. Ain't nothing wrong with Alfred, baby. Long you in the fight. You know, some teams uh, make it work with the three alphas kind of scenario, Batman, Robin, and Alfred.
Some teams don't, but, you know. <laughs> yes. Uh-oh. We got more coming your way with our man Stacy King here. You know, speaking of uh, championship raises that Stacey's hoping for, he uh, he was a part of several back in the day. We're going to talk about Stacy's career coming up in just a minute. But first, mention at the top of the show, today's episode brought to you all by PointsBet. Don't forget that CHGO promo code when you sign up to get those two risk-free bets up to $2,000. And that's not all. If you make a $50 more first-time deposit, you get a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our amazing content here, including these player grades on our website that Will Gottlieb has been doing for us. You even get a free CHGO t-shirt, which mm. we know Stacy would look fly as hell oh, in a absolutely. CHGO t-shirt. We oh, should no. probably just send him one as a thank you for coming on the show. Don't turn down, but it's college. That's 2,000 free bets, free I told CHGO you. membership. I told you. <laughs> Free T-shirt for the, from the CHGO Locker, all for making a, more, a $50 more first-time deposit. Plus, we've had a lot of blowouts in these NBA playoffs. Yeah. You know what's a way to make blowouts more fun? What's that, man? Having a little money on them. The same-game parlays. How about live same-game parlays mm. only available from PointsBet? Mm. You can boost those, too. Did you know that, Dave? I did not. Watch live, parlay live, boost live with PointsBet. And online avail- online sign-up now available from your phone. Start mm. to finish, create an account, $50 deposit, CHGO membership, mm. have some fun watching these conference finals games. Boom. Once you start, you don't just bet. What do you do, Big Dave? You live your bet life. Shit easy. All right, y'all. We're talking with Stacey King. Stacey21King on Twitter for all this man's great Bulls positive vibes. Going back in the day, like I, I was trying to convince a lot of Bulls fans, Stacey, that while the first round exit in the, of the playoffs is disappointing, it's part of the process. It's part of the journey. You got to take your licks before you become champions. And that got me thinking back to, of course, y'all's struggle and y'all's journey to get past the Pistons. You know, y- your rookie year was 89-90, the last and final year that y'all lost to the Pistons, mm-hmm. game seven of the conference finals. And I was just curious if there were one particular bad boy piston that you hated the very, very most. Isaiah, <laughs> Sally, Mahorn, which one just really, really irked you? Oh, come on, man. That's Bill Lane Beer. I, I can't I couldn't stand him. Uh, he was dirty. He was a dirty dude, man. And uh, but listen, he's a guy, you know, you know, I kind of liken him to Grayson Allen. As a matter of fact, I think Grayson Allen might be his son. They look just alike. <laughs> I think your first game with the Bulls, like you said, was like January, February, like 1990, uh, with them. When they and when they played the Pistons, I think you got ejected in like your first game when they played the Pistons because you you put somebody yeah. on their behind, uh, and and everybody here loved you for it because that hadn't happened since like yeah. Charles Oakley had been here. Well, you know, it was uh, it was Scott Hastings, and uh, I remember it's my rookie year, and I really know how big the rivalry was, you know, because. Uh, at Oklahoma, I was teammates with Harvey Grant, which is Grant's twin brother. So we used to watch the Bulls on WGN all the time. And I remember the one fight they got in at the old Chicago Stadium uh, when Jawan Oldham, you know, got into the Pistons. And uh, I remember Rick Mohorn, Bodham, and Johnny Bach, the great late Bach, uh, on the table. And uh, I remember that big fight. And so then I'm like, wow, man, that, they, they don't like each other. You know, and then, you know, Harvey would tell me that's a bit of rivalry, you know, yada, yada. So then when I fa- when I found it, um, I saw how bitter it was. I saw how physical it was. You know, guys were doing dirty stuff, um, you know, punching you when the ref wasn't looking, doing all kinds of stuff to try to take you out of the game. So Scott Hastings really, I mean, Scott's a great guy now. You know, Scott came over, I think, from Denver. 
know, and he kind of, you know, came into the Pistons. They were the championship, and uh, he was part of that second championship team. But he wasn't drafted there. He wasn't a guy that was in that, you know, bad boy mentality. So he was trying, I guess he was trying to, like, impress his teammates by being physical, doing some stuff. So he thought I was the one. You know, he thought I was the one going to try. And so I was I was boxing him out, and he was going for a rebound, and he uh, he chucked me in the back of the head with an elbow. And immediately, I just, I, I kind of blacked out. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't even about the Pistons and the Bulls rivalry at that point. It was more of like, oh, you trying to punk me. Oh, this this ain't happening, bro. You Just because my name is, is Stacy, don't think there's anything soft about me. So I, I immediately tried to give him a two-piece and uh, and with no biscuit. And, and uh, so I was I was now dead in the middle of the Pistons and the Bulls rivalry. I got my... Uh, Got my uh, ticket to get in the VIP club, and uh, the fans love me for that, and the Pistons fans hate hated me for it. So you mentioned uh, who you didn't like, Grayson Senior. Um, I want to know. I want to know who are you closest to on uh, on those Bulls teams? Like, who are you playing one on one with after practice? Who are you playing cards with? Who are some of your closest friends on those teams? You know what? We're all close. We all we all we still to this day talk. I mean, I just got off the phone with uh, Scott Williams. Couple days ago, TJ days ago. Of course, I see Pippen when he's in town. I see Michael when I go to uh, to Charlotte. Um, you know, that's a close team, man. When you're when you're with the team that's winning championships, uh, you're with that team nine months out of the year, and you become family. Those become your brothers. Uh, we have fights in practice. Uh, you know, we get at each other in practice, but when we leave when we leave practice. Uh, we're as one. We're united, and uh, we fight for each other. You know that's how it is, and and we're all close. That's a fraternity, man. The NBA in itself is a fraternity. It doesn't matter what year you played. Uh, NBA is a fraternity, and everybody, you know, every, I can go back and talk to guys like Bob Cousy. I can talk to Bill Russell. Uh, you know, guys like that who were way before me, and uh, you know, fraternity. They'll sit down and talk to you, and and uh, gracious with their time. And uh, and all the younger players that I came up with were all close and tight. And um, it's just great to see these guys. I'm glad everybody's healthy. Uh, you know, all the guys are, are doing their own thing. That team is very special. You know, everybody on that team, if you think about it, you go down and look at those rosters on those championship teams, especially the first one. Um, all those guys off that first team is doing something basketball-related or they are doing very well in life in general. And that's a mark of the character of that team. And uh, basically the organization, because we all kind of grew up in the organization. Stace, uh, obviously Bulls fans and NBA fans in general loved watching The Last Dance a couple of years ago because it came at a time when because of the pandemic, there were no live sports for us sports fans to watch. And, and it was a great gift in that way. It also, I think, maybe opened up a few different cans of worms in rehashing out everybody's sides of the same story. And they got this part wrong or this part didn't need to be in there. You mentioned that you didn't particularly love the way that they portrayed Scotty in that documentary. Um, like, Do you think that that camaraderie and that, and that brotherhood and that bond that you were just talking about of a championship team that was together through all of those battles and wars – did, did that documentary damage any of that camaraderie or was it just water under the bridge? People took an issue with a few things, but it, it wasn't something um, harsh enough to, to break those bonds that you guys have. Well, I, I think Scotty and Michael's relationship is tarnished. Um, I don't think the, my relationship with Scotty is not 
tarnished. My relationship with anybody else off that team is not tarnished. Listen, brothers get into it. You have family, you have brothers and you have family issues that happen. Uh, you don't ever stop being family. You don't ever stop being brothers. You just, you could be mad at your brother and not talk to him for 10 years. But when, whenever your brother needs you, you're there. And it's one of those situations. Of course, we like to handle that, you know, um, you know, behind the scenes. I, you know, I'm sure Scotty and someone may have a little bit of regret, you know, because, you know, Michael, you know, Michael is a guy that, you know, yeah, he gets all the credit, you know, because he's Michael. He's the greatest player to ever played. But we were part of something special. Scotty was part of six. You know, he was part of something special six times, and he was a big reason, you know, why the Bulls were winning. You know, I, I always say, you know, Michael, as great as he is, and, and Scotty, as great as he was, they both needed each other to maximize uh, winning. You know, could 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 uh, Michael win without Scotty? Yeah, but I don't think he went six. You know, maybe one or two. You know, does Scotty win without Michael? He came pretty close. Uh, if it wasn't for Hugh Holland's call in New York, uh, he might have won one. You know, but I don't think he went six. Okay, so let's just be let's just be real. Both of those guys needed each other, and they they helped each other maximize their their abilities. Uh, you know, Michael gets a lot of the credit, and everybody knows that. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, we all prospered from winning at the end of the day. You know, we all have to make sacrifices. You know, everybody had to make sacrifices for that team to win. You know, uh, me and BJ, college All-Americans, you know, big time players, we had to make sacrifices in our game to fit in to help the team win. You know, Horace Grant had to make sacrifices. Uh, you know, Scott Williams, Will Purdue, uh, John Paxson, you know, Bill Cartwright, everybody had to make sacrifices for that team to be successful. And even in that second three peak, you know, guys had to make, you know, had to make sacrifices. The one thing I wish out of that whole thing, guys, is, you know, forget about the Michael and Scotty thing, because that's what people talk about. My biggest takeaway from is the way they portray Jerry Krause. That, that's the big thing that I didn't like about the about the last dance is, OK, listen, how much. How much more rocks do we need to throw at the guy? Okay, at the end of the day, that guy is one of the greatest NBA general managers of all time. If his name was Jerry West, he would be. They would have a trophy named. As a matter of fact, the NBA trophy would be named after him because of what he's done. Jerry's on the logo. They're not gonna put Jerry Krause on the logo, but they would have put him on a trophy. And here's a guy that took two different teams to three titles within eight years apart. I mean. Eight year, six out of eight years, they won title with two different teams. How many teams can say that? And better yet, if MJ doesn't go chase Kerr's balls for the Birmingham Barons, <laughs> them two titles that Houston won is in Chicago. It would have been eight straight. Believe that. No cap. Believe that. Wow. But Stacy, you know what? I want to I want to go back even further than that because honestly, I don't think a lot of people know. And you touched on it for a second. But I don't think a lot of people know how truly dominant you were in college. Like, you were really like a 27-12 and 12 dude, you know what I'm saying, for that team in Oklahoma. And you being a left-hander who actually could dominate in the paint but also had a nice touch, you know what I'm saying, also as well. Like, you were rare. And, and that team you had was mean. Like, you mentioned Harvey, but you also had Mookie Blaylock running point. Mm. Like, y'all were a beast. And I say all that to say – I still don't know how y'all lost to Kansas, man. <laughs> I, I still don't understand how that happened, man. Could you talk uh, about that for a second? Because Danny Manning dang. just had the game of his life and led to him getting drafted like super high in the NBA after that performance. 
Dave, first of all, I just want to tell you, thank you for bringing up old memories. Now I'm going to have to go hit uh, some uh, some fireball whiskey now because I'm trying to get over that. You brought it back to my attention. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. But, but on the real the note, listen. Um, yeah, nah. Nah, I did <laughs> Hey, but on the real, on the real, Dave, um, uh, that was a great college team. That, that was one of the greatest college teams that never won. And uh, we're considered uh, one of the top 20 teams of all time, which is an honor. Uh, we had three lottery picks on that team. Uh, we had five Juco All-Americans. We had four Juco, Juco All-Americans that couldn't even get run on that team. And, um, you know, so playing on that team, you know, was awesome. Uh, I mean, you could hit you from anywhere. We had scoring all over the place. We had five players, average double figures. Um, playing with Harvey made my job easier because you couldn't double me because he was a, a very good face-up shooter, you know, very good guy to take pressure off me. So if you double me, he's going to give you 30. You got to pick your poison. So I always get single coverage. Um, I think people forget, you know, I, the only person able to stop me at the pro level, and I'm being serious, my, the best defensive player I ever played against that I said could shut Stacey King down, the scoring Stacey King, was Phil Jackson. Hmm. That's the only one. Phil That's Jackson. It. Okay. Phil Jackson, the only one, because he, he made me he made me change my role. He he made me he 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 made me change my role on how I played. And I, I went away from trying to score, but when there'd be nights though. You know, he say, Stace, we need you to give me 25. We need to get you, you know, we need to get you, uh, get you going, you know, because to be out, we need scoring. I'm like, all right, cool. And he would turn me loose. He'd let me score and I would do it. I mean, I was on the all rookie team my first year and I, I was really cooking. Um, me and Horace split time, you know, at power forward. I wasn't playing any center. I was playing strictly power forward. And uh, you got to remember, Doug Collins drafted me. You know, Doug was the coach that drafted me. I thought when I came here, I was going to be Doug Collins. And uh, Doug got fired uh, our, on during our press conference when we came here to do our introduction to the city and to the Bulls Nation, uh, Doug got fired, and I was disappointed in that because I really liked Doug. Doug was like Doug was like my kind of coach. I was looking forward to playing with him, and he was a no nonsense guy, and so I was literally looking forward to that. But you know, Phil Jackson um, doesn't get enough credit uh, being a you know good X and O. That triangle offense was a remarkable offense. Um, it showcased everybody's talent, everybody's skill. You had to be fundamentally sound in that offense. And then also the great assistants. Well, all these guys should be Hall of Famers. Uh, you know, the late great uh, Johnny Buck, who was in charge of the defense. Ex-winner uh, was a great college coach, but it was his triangle offense that kind of turned the league upside down. And he doesn't get enough credit as being an innovator. Uh, and it, and I'll tell you how, how you know, everybody talks about they hate the triangle offense. Ah, I don't want to run triangle offense because this is a three-ball type of, um, you know, three-ball game now. But every team uses some variation of Tex Winner's triangle offense. Steve Kerr runs probably about 40% of the Warriors' offense is triangle-based. And they're on their way to another title another right title. now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got Stacy with us for a little while longer. We also want to talk to him about his incredible broadcasting career that brings you, our fellow Bulls fans, so much joy throughout the season. But first, Big Dave, yes, one sir. more quick shout-out to our friends at PointsBet. Oh, let's do this right here. Because if you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us to continue to grow, that rhyme, by the way, is to download that PointsBet app and use that code CHGO when you sign up. Because you're not only getting those two, count them one, two risk-free bets up to two, 
$1,000. But if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of that awesome web content. And you'll even get that free T-shirt of your choice from that CHGO locker. And if you're here in this beautiful state of Illinois and this wonderful city of Chicago where the weather is definitely fat man friendly out there, this is my kind of summer outside. You can download that PointsBet app right now and register your account from your phone from start all the way to finish. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book, easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Because once the game starts, you don't just bet. Will the thrill, what do you do? You live your bet life. Joey, one time. Money, money. Money. Mm, well done, sir. Man. <laughs> uh, uh, Big Dave, I think you are, are the one and only person who can take the reins from <laughs> Stacy one day when it comes to Aries, man. Mm, man, listen. I bow to greatness, sir. I bow to greatness. <laughs> How are those pipes, Stace? I feel like now that the season is over, you don't get to warm up. I'm working on my French now before we go into Paris. Hey. <laughs> I'm working on them now. We're getting ready to go to Paris in January, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Stace, I, I've always been curious what initially got you interested in adding this broadcasting you know, chapter to your career after your playing days were over. Because you seem like someone who took to it so naturally. Like I remember the first times when I was watching you, um, you uh, in the studio doing uh, doing Bulls analysis, and you were you were a natural. And was there someone that you watched, uh, a, a retired athlete who took to broadcasting uh, and adapted to staying around the game in that different way, who you particularly enjoyed, like a retired athlete slash broadcaster who inspired you to to walk that path? Well, I, I think for me, you know, I've always been on high profile teams, you know, at Oklahoma, we were always in front of cameras. We were always being interviewed from ESPN, NBC, CBS. So I got very comfortable at a young age in front of cameras. And then I went to school for it. I mean, I went to school for journalism uh, at the University of Oklahoma. And, um, you know, I used to write for the school newspaper. So I always thought I would, I always thought I'd like to be a, you know, write for the newspaper and the sports uh, columns and stuff. And I thought that'd be pretty cool. And, um, but uh, I remember my teacher telling me you'd be better in front of the camera. And so I, I used to laugh at him and not take him seriously. But, uh, yeah, he was right. And so in Oklahoma, you know, I got a very – I got introduced to being in front of the camera all the time. And one of my idols – there's there's three people that I, I really, really love that I kind of, like, you know, they kind of got me into it. Uh, Dick Vitale, number one. Uh, Dick Vitale has always been my favorite. Uh, he's come do my games and his excitement and the way he called the game. Uh, it just, even if the game was bad, he just had you hooked. Cause you know, he's the PTP baby and all these things, you know, the Windex man and all this stuff that he would come up with. And I go, man, that's pretty cool. You know, you don't hear that. And then the second guy would be uh, Kevin Harlan. When I trade uh, the Minnesota Timber, Harlan, people don't remember this. But Ken Harlan used to be the uh, play-by-play guy for the Timberwolves. And so when I was there, I got to hear him, you know, do games when we'd be watching video, you know, we were watching tape and I'd hear Kevin's voice. I'm like, man, this dude is cool. He, I mean, he's got a lot of energy and, and the next thing you know, he's on TV. And, uh, and then the, as far as analysts are concerned, uh, Doug Collins to me, and I still consider Doug Collins the, the best analyst in the game, you know, because the way he – not only did he play the game and he coached the game, 
Uh, he has a great understanding and feel for the game. And I think him being a coach, which I coached in the CBA for you know, five years, uh, that's helped me as far as being an analyst because I have two different perspectives now. I don't look at the game just as a player, a guy who played the game. I'm also a guy who coached the game, who also, you know, drew timeout plays, coming out of timeout, uh, situational plays to get guys off. I know how to do all that as a coach. And now you put those things together, podcasting, um, it, it really helps you as an analyst. And I, so I think those three guys are, are really big for me. And then just my personality. I mean, if you go back, you know, if you go back and, and see me, um, you know, back in the day uh, doing bull stuff, I was always in the camera joking, doing the Bill Cartwright voice and all this stuff that I used to do. Um, and I was, I was the guy that kept the team loose, um, you know, with the jokes and, the, and the, you know, just playing around, keeping everybody loose, uh, especially in these series where we had, uh, you know, where it was real tight. You know, you're playing the Knicks in a, in a seven games, you know, seven game here in Chicago uh, that we end up winning, uh, you know, the Piston series, you know, getting guys to relax and not be so uptight. You know, that was kind of my role. Um, and it worked. You know, you hear anybody, I guess, ask any of the guys, they'll tell you, man, Stacey King had us loose, we was ready to go. You know, it was just so much fun. Um, and it's just carried over to the broadcast. I think when I first when I first got on TV, uh, I was I was uh, with Tom Dore and uh, Red Kerr, uh, 2005, and I came in. And, you know, um, I have to give shout out to my man, Joe Riley. <clears throat> And uh, Tom's to to used to be Comcast, and um, so they're doing the golf channel. But when I was in the pre and post game, you know, um, they they uh, you know Johnny was getting up there in age, and they were like, hey, we need to you know we need to see you know about getting a replacement. You know, Johnny's getting up there and yada yada. Travels getting to him, and I think they gave Scotty the chance first, and for whatever reason didn't work out. Um, and then Joe Riley. Uh, as they were looking for another for replacement, Joe Rock threw my name out there. I said, hey, why don't you try Stacy? Say, I think Stacy would be a natural, and I think he'd do good. I think he hit a home run out the park. And so uh, they gave me the shot. And, um, you know, I, I really appreciate Joe Riley stepping up for me. And, and uh, you know, because all it takes is one person to like you. And if that one person has a little power that can make things happen, uh, that, that put me in position uh, to where I'm at today. And then also, uh, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf. You know, Jerry Reinsdorf, uh, Steve Shanwald, you know, those guys, uh, you know, they believed in me too. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf has been one of the best owners I've ever played for as a player. And even now, uh, you know, he, he really takes care of his people. Uh, he allows me to be me. He doesn't put like restrictions on me to say, you can't say this, you can't do that, you can't do that. He's allowed me to be who I am. And I'm grateful for that. Stacey, you're so your voice is so synonymous with so many like Bulls moments. Like I can whatever great Bulls moment I kind of think of in my head, I can hear your call along with that moment. Um, what's your moment though for you? The one that you probably think about the most. Like you know what that was incredible, and I I'm glad I was there to call that one right there. Well, before I even answer that one, because I already know which one it is, but before I answer that, I, I give a special shout out to Neil Funk because. Uh, if it wasn't for Neil allowing me to have those moments, you know, that's normally the play-by-play guy's moment. But, you know, Neil recognized my energy and my passion, and he's like, you know what? Take it, kid. Run with it, you know, because I've been doing it for so long. And, you know, there was no ego. You know, most guys have egos about 
that. You know, most play-by-play guys, you know, shut up, I'll make that call. You know, that's how they feel. But Neil allowed me to be me. When Neil came over from the radio side and he basically said, hey, I, I want you to do what you do. You know, I'm, I'm not, I want you to call the plays, use exciting play. You do you don't worry about me. And if it wasn't for Neil Funk, uh, you know, allowing me to be me, I probably wouldn't have been, I would have found a way to be me, but I probably wouldn't have all these, these so-called, you know, big time calls. You know, I think the, the biggest one for me was the Derrick Rose on Drogic in, uh, in Phoenix. Uh, that was a, that was a huge call. That kind of, kind of like, I got a lot of them, but that kind of, uh, that kind of set it uh, set it off right there. I think people, because they still play that call to this day, you know. And that was that was Derek uh, at his highest point. You know, Derek was, whoo man, Derek was like a Haley's comet, bro. I mean, you know, no one had ever seen you know a guard that size, that quick, with that explosive ability to take for games. Like he did. I mean, there's always been great guards. Don't get me wrong. There's been great point guards. There's been guards who have been quick. But to have the total package, to be able to have the quickness, to be able to have the explosive ability and the strength of a six foot six, six foot seven guard at like six three, jumping over seven footers, dunking on them. I mean, um, I was very fortunate. And I, I'll give a lot of credit to Derek because if Derek wasn't an exciting player, who knows where Stacey King might be right now as far as the calls are concerned. Because he a lot of calls to uh, to call his his game winner in Milwaukee, uh, you know the Windy City Assassin, uh, you know big time players make big time plays when he closed out a game uh, at the Chicago Stadium, you know um, I mean there's so many that I can go, but the one the Dragons is one I really like most. I was gonna say, well, first of all, those those are my two as well, and I was gonna bring up the the step back and kiss myself uh, against Milwaukee. That was that was a great one. Um, but you're also, I think, I think you're also really good at like, not necessarily the play calls, but just like the, the little catchphrases throughout the game. Like, uh, one of my favorites, does anybody know how to upload videos to Facebook? Do you have, uh, any of those kind of like, what's your favorite one of those smaller catchphrases? Like the old, uh, Stacey King soundboard where you could just like press the buttons and you know, your voice would come up saying whatever. Do you have any of those like really special ones? Well, they need to bring back the soundboard like that every day and upgrade. It's been a whole since. But um, I, I think, like, the ones that I like when someone gets dunked on, you know, he didn't come for the massage. He came for the facial. Um, you know, um, uh, I like I, when, when Bellinelli was here because of his Italian heritage. You know, I always say I like my meatballs spicy when you hit the three. Uh, of course, high loss is, the, is Chicago uh, mainstay. You know, I, I can't tell. I wish I had a nickel every time I'm outside or in the store. Someone yell, give me the hot sauce. You know, I'm like, oh, you know, I do sell that now. You know, you can buy that online at uh, gimmethehotsauce.com. And and one also, Stacey, <laughs> I thought was was brilliant that you did was the Thadjik Johnson and, and the law offices of Sato and Young. I, I was <laughs> yes. absolutely brilliant, man. Seriously. You know what? You know what? It's funny because like every I've kind of gotten away from the nicknames per se, uh, because, you know, it's like the dunk contest. You know, when you win two dunk contests in a row, uh, people expect you to just all of a sudden come up with something crazy every time. And nicknames are earned. 
You know, you got to earn it, man. Just you do play doesn't mean you nickname. You know, and it's a funny story. Right? And Jim, Jimmy Butler, his rookie year, you know, Jimmy was playing eight minutes of freaking game. And so I gave everybody a nickname. Ties, Gibson, D. Rowe, everybody had a nickname that year. And so Jimmy comes up to me on the plane. He said, hey, Stace, let me ask you a question. He said, how come you haven't given me a nickname? And I said, well, JB, you're only playing eight minutes a game, man. You, you're not even getting in the game. And he said, well, man, if, could you give me a nickname if I if I get in the game and do something? I go, yeah, all right, okay, I'm a nickname. So when next time you get in the game and you do something good, I'll give you a nickname. So he got in the game. I don't even remember it was game. It was at, it was at Chicago. It was at the uh, United Center. And it was garbage time. You know, he, he was playing like, you know, a 10-minute run. And he scored like eight points. You know, he was getting, you know, just like he's doing now, you know, getting those – those tough buckets around the basket and one. So I, every time he scored, I go, I go, that's Jimmy G buckets. And I pause and I go, but G stands for gets, gets buckets. And so that's, that name was brought up. This is for Jimmy, pre-all-star, pre-most uh, improved player, pre-superstar. This is the kid only getting eight minutes a game to this day. He marketed, you know, that's his line now. I hear ESPN, Joe, Jimmy G buckets or Jimmy buckets and all this stuff. And it's funny, you know, because I, I do hear sometimes people use some of my, like, you know, Derrick Rose when, uh, you know, my one of my big ones for Derrick was, you know, too big, too strong, too fast, too good. And I don't use that anymore, you know, because that was Derrick Rose's call. You know, so I don't use that anymore. Uh, people used to get on me like, you gave hot sauce to Kyle Corver. I said, no, 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 no. I said it was all it sounded like it was Kyle Corvus because he was the only one to shoot threes. But it was for anybody who shoots threes. He just happened to be the best at it. You you weren't ever using the hot sauce for the occasional Keith Bogans three pointer? <laughs> Boogie down Bogans. <laughs> nah, nah, you know what? It was it was kind of tough. It was kind of tough because that was the that was the year that's a team where you didn't really have a lot of good you had Ruhr. You know, guys who are good, you know, mid-range guys, guys get around the basket. Like, you know, Chicago's finest brew was a brewer's uh, call, uh, you know, uh, you know, yeah, and, and he played the baseline because he always is always great on the baseline. And I'd always say he plays the baseline better than John. Oh, she can destroy. Oh, that was one of my favorites, too. You know, and then, and then, it, and then it was like they got rid of everybody. They got rid of everybody. It's like, oh, man. So I had to be creative every year. Stacey, so you also are doing your own podcast now, which is called Give Me the Hot Sauce. Everybody check it out. They drop uh, new episodes every Wednesday right here on YouTube. Bulls fans can't get enough content. Watch our stuff. Watch Stacey's stuff. You co-host it with our old colleague and our great pal, Mark Shanowski, who's also already made an appearance on this here show. Um, what, what was the motivation to do that as someone who's already as busy as you are to say, no, you know what? I also want to start a podcast and talk with former teammates, former other retired NBA vets, current NBA players, um, because I just can't get enough basketball talk. It was, was that basically the, the, the motivation behind it? No, to be honest, it was COVID. Um, when we were locked up in the house, we couldn't go anywhere. And I was like, you know, the idea, like, man, I need to do a podcast, you know, and I didn't really know how to start it. I didn't really know, but I knew what I wanted to do. And I knew my personality, uh, it was really good. It was mixing and matching the pieces. Mark Chanowski, as you guys know, is one of the best in Chicago in when it comes to Chicago sports. Um, he does a great, you know, he does a great job of 
for me, he's a moderator on my show. You know, he keeps the traffic flowing and uh, we have good banter. You know, we did a post game show together and that's how I became really good friends with Mark. And he's the best in the business. And uh, I'm glad he's part of the show. Uh, my friend Timmy Whispers, uh, if you ever catch the show, you know, everybody has a sidekick. You know, you had, you know, you know, you always got that one sidekick that the host makes fun of all the time. That's my boy, Timmy Whispers. We've been friends since I came to Chicago. Uh, you know, he he doesn't say a lot, you know, but when he, when he does say something, man, it's like a grenade. He throws it on the table and it just explodes in everybody's face, you know. Uh, so he's got some great one liners. So he's good at that. And we poke fun at him. You know, he just got back from a trip from New Orleans. And, you know, he's you know, he's a he's a ginger. He's got red hair, you know, so he gets sunburned all the time. So he always we call his nickname Larry the Lobster because he'd be looking like a lobster when he come in and do the show. And uh, so he had, he's a really he's really good uh, to the show. And then, you know, like I said, we try to keep it fresh. You know, we try to you know, we do a lot of Bulls, Chicago sports. But, you know, we have different guests on. It's not all basketball. It's not all hoops. Uh, we, we just try to have fun with it because there's so many podcasts out there that talks Bulls hoops and stuff like that. I kind of want to be different a little do my own thing, movies. You know, we, you know, we have all kind of guests on. We've had UFC fighters. We've had. Uh, porn stars. I mean, we've had all kind of stuff on our show, man. So uh, it, it's a lot of fun doing it every week. And uh, we're, I think we're on 80 episodes now. So uh, we're doing quite well. Stacey, uh, I mean, we, we love Mark Shanowski around here. Like we love Mark Shanowski. Uh What's one thing that you learned about Mark that you probably didn't know going into this show, but you've learned about him like doing this? That Mark is a vampire. He never ages. Like he he still looks the same as he did 25 years ago. <laughs> the hair is amazing. The hair is amazing. <laughs> yeah, he looks the same. I mean, he doesn't age. And and uh, you know, it's it's amazing because I think Mark's like in his like I don't think I shouldn't even be telling Mark's age. Just say he's 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 up there, but he doesn't look his age. He looks a lot younger. But I think the one thing, the one thing that that Mark that I would probably say about Mark is, uh, Mark has a great sense of humor. You know, when he was at Comcast and and he was the he was one of the anchors, and then he did the Bulls pre and post game show. I don't think people really got a chance to see his humor. See, one thing about a podcast, and you guys know this too, because going from TV, you know, you're you're kind of scripted. You know, there's you know they want to tell you what you can and cannot say. Don't do this. Don't do that. But on your podcast, you could pretty much let loose and have fun like you're like you'd be in a bar talking to people, but stuff, you know, you just relax a little bit. And Mark now is relaxed. I mean, he's jokes. I mean, people are probably looking at Mark like, is that the same Mark Shanowski? I mean, he's got a great sense of humor and it's great that people get a chance to see him that he's not so straight laced. Well, I, I hope you uh, you don't give these guys any more ammunition to make fun of me. I think they do that plenty. My favorite thing uh, that I learned about you today, Stacy, was uh <laughs> was that you wanted to be a writer. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I went to school for that, man. I mean, you know, the crazy thing about it was when I was at the University of Oklahoma, my uh, journalism teacher would never let me cover easy sports. He always wanted us to step outside our comfort zone. And I could never cover sports. Nothing had to do with sports. So I, I had to go cover, you know, school current events, uh, down, you know, uh, city council meetings. I had to write about things that were, you know, that I personally would never go do. And it made me, it made me focus on, you know, I'm comfortable 
doing things that I'm uncomfortable about, you know, and that it relates in everything you do, not just, you know, doing, you know, uh, uh, writing for the newspaper, school newspaper, doing something you're not comfortable, but with everything you do in life, you know, if you're, you're just satisfied being in one box, you never grow, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, you, you grow the box and you got to spread your wings a little bit and do something different. I mean, you guys, you guys know this more than anybody. I mean, you go, when you guys jumped on Comcast and started doing TV, that was new. That was new for you guys. It took you a little adjustment to get used to the camera angles and, you know, the red light and being comfortable talking in front of the camera. And you got out of your comfort zone. And by every show, you got better and better and better. And now here you are doing your own podcast. And it's the same thing. Because you did all the hard work. That was, that was the hard work. Now it's easy. Now you guys know how to interview guys. You know how to talk. You know how to get your points across quick. Cause you know, people don't understand, man. It's it's a lot, it's a lot harder than it looks. But we make it look easy. But we had to go through a situation first before we can make it look easy. Well said. <laughs> uh Stace, we so appreciate your time, man. Real quick before we let you go, looking back towards this team that we all cover and we all love so much, assuming that one A priority is signing Zach to a new contract. If you are in the shoes of AK and Mark Eversley, what is priority 1B when it comes to improving this roster and helping them take that next step and making a deeper playoff run next season? Well, as you said, number one is Zach. We got to get Zach back to the fold. And after that, I think you got to get some knockdown shooters. You got to get some guys that can knock down some threes, uh, keep defenses honest. I mean, try to find a J.J. Reddick, Kyle Corver type of player. Uh, the good thing that's happened for the Bulls now is the Bulls with the front office, people know the Bulls are serious about winning. You know, Chicago is a favorite destination for people. I don't care what people say. You know, five, six years ago, the free agency didn't want to come here and all that other stuff. Um, that's a bunch of BS. Uh, Chicago is one of the best cities in, in the country to come to, to hang out in, dinners, uh, shows. It's a great, great city. And when you win here in Chicago, there's no place like it. Our fans are loyal. You know, Bulls is not like New York or Philadelphia. They turn on you. They don't boo you. You know what? They 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 ride or die with you. I mean, I I mean, I remember this team was struggling. You know, for five or six years. You know, people were frustrated, but they kept coming to games. You know, they kept they kept showing up at the United Center. And yeah, they're frustrated. Yeah, they're upset. And you know, with Gar and Pax and all the things that came along with it. But at the end of the day. You know what? They still supported the team. Whether they won or lost, they were still there. And now that we're winning, there's levels to this. You know, we're getting back to a situation now we're trying to build up. So they need to get some shooters, and they probably need to get a rim protector. Uh, somebody can help in the, you know, as a as a backup center that can block shots, rebound, and help them defensively. That's the man right there, ladies and gents. Bulls Nation, Stacy King, three-time mm. champ. And Bulls broadcaster for all 82 games there, ABC's, uh, NBC Sports Chicago. Follow him on Twitter at Stacy21King and check out that Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. New episodes dropping every Wednesday with him and our guy Mark and their guy Timmy Whispers. Uh, <laughs> Stacy, thanks so much for coming on the pod, man. We appreciate it. It was an honor and a pleasure to have you here. My pleasure, guys. You know, we go back a long way when y'all was in the dungeon. You know, so, you know, I don't I don't come on everybody's podcast, you know, but, you know, you guys are you guys are friends. So I'm glad you guys invited me. It's my pleasure. I appreciate it. Keep doing what you're doing, man. All right. Don't work too hard this summer, Stacy. Enjoy yourself. Don't mess up that summer like Scotty didn't want to. All right. <laughs>
Ah, I'm, <laughs> hey, I'm going out there to get a tan, brother. I'll be there getting a tan. <laughs> uh, for Stacy, for our pal Will down there in Brazil, for Big Day, for our producer Joey, everyone here at our West Loop Studios in CHGO land. Matt saying thanks as always for tuning in, Bulls Nation. Until next time. Give me the hot sauce. Give me the hot sauce. <laughs> Be good. All right, boys. Thanks.